Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. It happened because I was, or I found out because I was trying to climb a hill in Greece and I like fell over. As you do. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> I fell over and they were like, something's wrong. <laughs> so to answer your question, yes, I am anemic. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Okay, today in the studio we have Al Pal, uh, my college roommate, whose name is Allison, but I call her Al Pal. She is a Patreon donator on Team Wine, and she is also here because she was in Tanzania for a while and is doing a cross-country tour of the U.S. to visit friends, and she and I met in San Diego, where neither of us had ever been, and then she came down to L.A. with me, and she is here to tell a fun little story about our time in San Diego. That M has not heard yet. I have not heard, but I know exactly where they went because if anyone follows me on Twitter, they saw me have a bit of an anxiety attack about it. A, a, tw- <laughs> a 12 tweet worth anxiety attack. <laughs> okay, so Christine and I met in San Diego mm-hmm. and we were looking up things to do and saw that the Whaley House was in San Diego. So we mm-hmm. both got really overexcited. Over, way over. Yeah, as I would have had I been there. Sure. <laughs> There was some jumping up and down and, you know, <laughs> general excitement. Did you guys know it was going to be there at all, or did you just, you we, stumbled upon it like I, I did? I also forgot. We were on Google, like, mm-hmm. looking stuff. Okay, We okay. were just Googling. And then what was even more exciting was that that night, they do this once-monthly ghost hunting tour. 
Oh my god! <laughs> like with equipment and everything. Yeah, with the real legit stuff, not for the tourists. You know, for the, I'm the so real jealous. People, I'm so jealous. So Allison was like, "I'm gonna call and uh, see if they have any availability." So she calls, and they're like, "Well, actually, we have a wait list, and you're like sixth in line, sixth party in line, and it's been booked for a long time because they sell out right away." So we were all devastated, and then devastated. We went to lunch, <laughs> and the it was end. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was our whole show? I was like, you fuckers. <laughs> so, well, before we went to lunch, we put our name down. Sure. My name down on the wait list. Mm-hmm. And then we went to lunch. We sat down. We ordered tacos. And then I said, Christine, on the way over, I thought of an idea. She's like, my cousin does this thing where she and her husband pretend that they just got engaged to get into places or like free stuff. Right, right, right. Like that Friends episode. So she's like, I was like, well, I have a ring. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> That's the only ingredient you need, basically, to pretend to be. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Did you guys act so, like you were dating? <clears throat> oh my god! Well, what happened was that we both drank a, a couple drinks at lunch to because we were nervous and um, hatched a plan. I'm so excited! It went through a lot of stages. What happened? Tell it, me. It evolved, then it devolved, then it evolved, then it just totally devolved. <laughs> well, our first plan was we're gonna. Pretend we just got engaged, and we're going to run in and be like, oh, my God, we're, we just got engaged. We really, like, it's our dream to go on this tour. Is there anything you can do? Right. That sounds, ba- that sounds basically like how it should have gone. Right. So that was the original plan. <laughs> okay. It didn't go anything like that. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're like, that's a good idea. And then we're just talking and talking and talking. And then Allison goes, what if I proposed right there on the spot? Shut the fuck up. then they have to believe it. I was oh my like, God. oh, that's a great idea. Because your word isn't golden enough. I love it. Right. I love so it. then we came up with this entire plan where she was going to propose outside, right, of the Whaley House. And people were going to see it and be like, oh, wow. And then we were going to, I don't know. And really... they would have to bump you up. Yeah, exactly. I got you. What so, happened there? That was maybe our best plan. But then for some reason, we backed out because it was too scary. So we were afraid <laughs> that we were going to stage this whole proposal and everyone would just kind of walk by on the street like not paying attention oh yeah what a crusher yeah i know i didn't want me my heart to be broken like that um so then we decided that we would take it a step back and that um one of us me would uh go in and tell them that i wanted to propose that night but with this whole backstory about how i'd just gotten back from being out of the country and i couldn't book the tickets in advance um, oh my god and that this place was really special to her which it is this is slowly becoming the greatest love story of my entire life this is so cool that's basically our friendship is the greatest love story of my life. <laughs> uh did that happen so then <laughs> oh my god so we were like oh and i was like that is the best plan yet mostly because i didn't have to do anything uh, right um, <laughs> so i was like well i have the ring so i was like okay so you go in tell them how much like this means to me whatever so she we had this plan where she was going to go in tell them we had to we were on the wait list but it was really important that we get on this tour and um da 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 and that she wanted to propose to me on the ghost tour so then what a we, great proposal by the I way i know that would be an awesome proposal we were so ready for it <laughs> you're ready to take that next I'm, step i'm not joking we spent like six and a half hours just planning we created an entire backstory which was 
based in reality. Based in truth, as the best lies are. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We met in college. We were roommates. Um, she went abroad for a long time. We were long distance. It was all true. It was. It was just a romantic choice. She had me practice. We held hands all day walking through San Diego. <laughs> How was that for you? Oh. Thank God, because the first time we tried to hold hands, it was like, who goes in front? What are we doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We tried so hard, and we're like, we can't look like this on the tour. We'll look like fools. So then we planned this elaborate uh, proposal, and we were so nervous. So we're like, okay, we got to just do this, and if they say yes, then we'll plan the actual proposal part, right? So that, wait, sorry, that didn't stop us from planning the actual proposal part. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it was already a solid plan. Oh, we had we had the whole thing planned out. I was also going to get help from the people there and say like, oh, the beginning, the middle, the end. Where do you want it to happen? Will oh the ghosts be like, congratulations or what? <laughs> we even considered having it go through like an, um, one of the the readers or whatever. Like, will you marry me? Through- oh my god. There's so many there's so many opportunities for this to have been the greatest proposal alive. I know. So we went through oh man, the whole day. We spent the whole day doing this. We and then we realized Allison was like, you know, we haven't actually we haven't seen each other in years and we haven't actually caught up yet. We've just pla- we've created an entire backstory <laughs> based on a, technically a lie. Yeah, and we haven't even told each other what we've been doing for the last 2 years. <laughs> we literally were like, "Hi, how's it going? Let's get married." <laughs> Um, and then I was very concerned that they were going to like want proof. So I downloaded all the pictures of us together that have ever been taken onto my phone. You really <laughs> and we like took another picture together just in case your alibi <laughs> is impeccable. We worked so hard. We did. So then we're like, let's go and ask. So we had, we were like, we'll finally have to get it over with. So we went to the Whaley house and yes. I was like, we were both panicking. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is when Christine split off and was like, good luck. Bye. And I was, like, sweating, and I could feel my face getting yeah, all Yeah, pressure's red. on you. My heart was, like, beating really fast, as if I were about to propose to someone. <laughs> I kept saying, use it. Use the nervousness. <laughs> Says the improv actor. <laughs> well, so I went in sweating, all red, and talked to this woman at the desk. And I was like, I know you're booked for tonight. I know this is my fault, and I should have planned this better, but I want to tell you that I'm in love. Oh, my God. And I want to propose tonight, and my girlfriend's across the street at the soap store. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Where all the good ones are. (laughs) And this place is really special to her. This haunted house is really special to her. And I was like, I'm going to propose tonight at the end of this tour. That's what I want to do. And I know that it's full, but I'm wondering if there's any possible way that you can make room for two extra. And I could see the sparkle in her eye. Oh my God. And she, she like really, I felt really bad because she (laughs) really felt my pain, my imaginary pain. (laughs) And she tried so hard. She called her manager over and the manager was some cold hearted woman who didn't never found love. Never got yeah. proposed to in the so way. I house. like retold her this story, and this woman I I told first was looking at her like, please, like anything we can do. Is there anything we can do? And the manager's like, no, sorry, we're booked. Oh my god! So it was heartbreaking, and so you didn't go. Well, we still wanted to go, so I was like, maybe just a regular tour would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then we just bought regular tickets. <laughs> what a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? What? 
I don't know if this is true, so I want you to tell it. Christine saw a ghost. Ah, no way, no way, no way. Tell me everything. I still don't believe it because I'm just like flabbergasted by the whole thing. I want to know. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we're walking through this tour. I've never seen anything, by the way. Like, I admittedly, I'm so fascinated by it, but I'm wholeheartedly. So this was your first ghost? Yeah, or whatever it was. Ooh. I've never seen anything. Your first, your, well, your second proposal and your first ghost, all oh. in one day. Allison's not pleased with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're walking through the Whaley House, and it's like a really overbooked tour, and there's this little kid who's just pissing me off and pissing everyone off. He's a little brat. And we're walking around, and he just keeps, like, bothering the tour guide while he's trying to, like, speak and asking stupid questions. Um, and we're at the bottom of the stairs, and um, we're, like, he's the tour guide's talking, and we're going to go upstairs. And this guy walks by at the top of the stairs, kind of glances down, and keeps going. And um, this stupid little kid goes, the man is talking, trying to give the tour. And he goes, who's that? And um, I, I literally looked at him. I was like, shh, it's just another tour. And he goes, there was a man walking by. And I was like, oh. I was like, I know there's another tour up there. Cause I just thought there was another tour up there. Cause why would there be a man wandering around? So then the guy goes, Oh no, there's nobody up there. And I'm like, no, no, he just saw another tour go by. He goes, no, no. Like the next tour is not for another half hour or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So we go upstairs and I like start looking around and it's tiny. Like there's yeah, two it's a really, rooms. It's weirdly a small house for such a big house. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Allison, there's a person, he probably works here, and he probably went through one of these doors. The place Christine said he walked through was literally glassed off. Yeah. There's no way you could get Oh, that's room. what it was. The room was, like, glassed off. Like, the bedrooms are, like, yeah. there's windows so you can look into it, but you can't actually go into the room. Right. So he walked through there, and I'm like, no, 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 there must be a way in. And the tour guide's like, nope, there's literally nobody up here. I can guarantee it. And I'm like, the man, there was a man who walked by. And Did the, you see the man or yes. you're just going by association? Like you really saw a man. No, I said, there's a man. Oh, so there's a man that walked by and I'm like, oh, it's another tour. And this kid goes, there's a guy upstairs. And oh, like, so you weren't just like bullshitting the kid. Like you really thought oh, there was. Oh, no. I, I said like, oh no, that's just another tour. I saw it too. Cause oh. he was like, I saw a ghost. I'm like, it's just another tour. Like you dummy. So your first experience was with a shitty kid. With the sh- <laughs> Shut up kid. And then we told his dad and his dad's like, what? And I'm like, well, what did he see? And he goes, there was a man. And he looked down and he kept walking. And I'm like, I saw that too. And the dad's like, really? Because he for sure didn't believe his son. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And the tour guide's like, what? Tell me more. And I'm like, I don't know. There was just a man walking around. He probably works here. He's like, he doesn't work here. There's nobody up here. And I wandered around looking. It's teeny tiny. Nobody was up there. Nobody left. It was creepy as fuck. I don't know. There was a man. He glanced down at us and then kept walking. Well, good for you. Well, they also say that, what is it? It's Yankee Jim. Maybe you saw Yankee Jim. Ugh. What if I saw Yankee Jim? Or Thomas Whaley. I didn't see him. It could have been. <laughs> I mean, just a tall dude. I don't really know how tall they were. But anyway, that's my story. Oh, there's another part. Meanwhile, through this whole tour, Christine and I are holding hands because the ghost tour, the ghost hunting tour was right after this. And we thought we might still have a shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we pretended to be like girlfriends the entire tour so we're like holding hands like putting our heads on each other's shoulders like oh my god like Just... smiling at each other because we're like maybe that someone will drop out right before the tour we tried so hard you really we fought did. for it so you really fought for it we walked out of the whaley house after allison tried another time for like the fifth time mm-hmm. i literally made christine take her ring off i was like no one can know <laughs> we walked through the tour without my ring because we were like if she proposed it has to look like i didn't know yeah um, and then we're leaving and we're like, let's get a margarita. And we walked on the street and Allison kneels down on the sidewalk and proposes to me on the sidewalk 
And everyone just walks past and ignores us. No just like way. we knew what happened if I tried to propose in front of the Whaley House. Those bitches oh just walked by. I'm like, no one's even going to buy us a margarita. Like, we thought at least we'd get a margarita out of it. You were like, if I can't have a ghost tour, I might as well get a drink. And you didn't get that either. But you know what? Silver lining. What's that? She said yes. Oh! <laughs> that's nice. Oh, that's so sweet. Man, we really, that's why we didn't tell you. There were a lot of dead ends to that story. I know. But they were we were hoping ones. it was going to be that we actually proposed on a ghost tour and got engaged and everyone was like taking photos. And then, and then you, so the fucking hard. the dream would have been, then you go down to the tour guy and said, I can't believe everyone applauded to the proposal. And they're like, no one was there. And they were, <laughs> <laughs> ah, it was empty all along. I would have loved that. Oh man. Aw. Listen. We tried. My dream is to get proposed to in a haunted house or to propose in a haunted house. I for sure told Allison that 8,000 times that day. Who that I would want to get proposed She's in a haunted like, house? She's like, is this realistic? I was like, and would a thousand well, also, percent do this? My dream honeymoon is to go like explore abandoned amusement parks. Oh God. So like, I'm like really into weird shit. Like I really want to just like go look at abandoned shit and then like have the hotel be in like a tree house. Like just weird stuff. Slide into her DMs, everybody. <laughs> Anyone who's interested in not having a normal life, contact me. I'm already sucked in, so I need someone else to take some of the brunt. <laughs> Aw. So that's that. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I didn't get proposed to, and I didn't see a haunted house. Oh, we'll make time. it happen. <laughs> in due time. What are you drinking, both of you? What Nothing now, because it looks like your glasses are empty. Al made it for mm-hmm. me. She's, a, she's just a wonderful house guest. Thank you. I'm drinking a pink gin and tonic. Mm, me too. Which is just a fancy version of gin and tonic. That tastes delicious. It's a gin and tonic with bitters. I'm drinking a juice. chocolate milkshake. Since I thought, just thought I'd be involved in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Edit number one by Christine Schieffer. <laughs> Edit number 8,000 already, believe me. Um, yeah. Just edit me out. What if it's just me telling the story in like choppy weird phrases? <laughs> and so I, and then I, and then I'm like, ha 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 ha. Okay, <laughs> but you forgot the part where. <laughs> oh no. Uh, okay, why do you drink? I, well, I guess you told me. <laughs> I guess that's the reason. I'm gonna give you a really brief summary of the real, real reason why I fucking drink. Okay. My mom called me crying this morning and said she had just gotten back from Germany last night, and she said. I just found out you're no longer eligible to be on my health care plan as of today. <gasps> and I was oh, like, shit. I have a procedure in two weeks. And she goes, you need to figure something out. You're not on my plan. And I'm like, what? And her plan was like, she literally had the platinum plan or whatever just for me because of my. So what happened? And so I'm no longer on their plan, which means that I'm on like Medi-Cal or something. And it's not going to cover any of my thing. And it's thirty six thousand dollars. So I'm like, good, um, panic mode. So I spent all day like attempting to buy a healthcare. Bl- I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So that's why I drink. So no reason I drink is is bad compared to that. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Oh my god, that's ah! so bad. Are you okay? I don't know how to help you. Oh, it's all good. I'm fine. Thanks, guys. Life is good. I drink, not for any reason like that at all. But I did remember that I'm in love with Mara Wilson. <laughs> Matilda? Matilda. I as of yesterday, I like our love has rekindled. It's, has it's, it? it's one way, but it's it's full full there. And all day yesterday I just watched like twenty four hours worth of YouTube videos of her in interviews. I just am so obsessed. When Matilda came out I had a full blown crush on her. And Miss Honey. But Obviously. Oh Miss Honey was one I of mean, my first crushes. When, even I had a crush. When Miss Honey did that glasses thing, I was done. Uh. I was like 
You know when she does the thing with the glasses? Uh-huh. Oh, I know. I was like, mm, whatever, Miss Honey. You're not single if you don't want to be. So <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically I drink because she doesn't love me back. She will. She will. You have time. But people can always reach out to her on Twitter for me and invite her to your wedding as my plus one. If, Let's see what happens. Wow. Let's see what happens. Shameless plug. If Mara Wilson shows up to my wedding. If Mara Wilson shows up to speak to me ever, I will lose my goddamn mind. I, I love her so much. Anyway, there's that. So, Al, why do you drink? Well, I drink because I never get to marry you. Listen, I'd be an alcoholic, too, if I were you. <laughs> and um, I drink for that every week, and so sad. does my mother. I think everyone drinks for that same reason. Okay, go on. That's the true gossip Guys, Christine is... I'm stand up at her wedding and go, what? I <laughs> thought this was our wedding. <laughs> I'm confused. She's going to be in a big white gown. You know, in Legally Blonde, when the, the guy is in the stands and his mm-hmm. boyfriend is like, oh, I'm not dating him. He goes, you bitch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you that, bitch. Exactly. And I already have threatened to show up to Christine's wedding in a lot of different kinds of outfits. So oh, I think so a many. big white gown is probably my top choice. There will be a lot of costume changes. I'm currently, I'm currently fighting for the role of uh, minister ministering your wedding efficient efficient i don't know what, i don't know which phrase efficient efficient oh well i know efficient. i'm a reverend so whatever that puts me You're as a reverend i'm i literally can go by reverend i've been ordained for almost 10 years now you can get ordained <laughs> when you're 50 okay almost eight years now <laughs> almost eight years Were you in Bible i was camp? wasting time when i was 15 by not getting ordained god i was in catholic school and i had no such plans on my mind no on my 18th birthday everyone's like oh you should do something like that you couldn't do before and i was like well i don't smoke and i'm not gonna go gamble and like i don't like i don't i didn't really have anything else and i was like oh i'm just gonna get ordained just to have actually do something I mean, I've been fighting a little bit about who gets to officiate Christine's wedding. If. Because, I mean, one of my suggestions was that we do it together. I could do that. I could totally do that. But I'm very competitive, and I do kind of I'm like not competitive. You can. Spotlight. You can have the. To- okay, true or false, <laughs> I have the worst performance anxiety ever. Neither of you are making a great case. <laughs> <laughs> my point was you could have the spotlight. I just want to jump in every now and then. So she's going to be talking. You're just going to like, excuse me. I have something to say. I just, I just want to be like, can confirm. It's going great. <laughs> just like a thumbs up every, every now and then. 10 for 10 would recommend. I like how you're like, I'm, a, I'm ordained, da, 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 but I have horrible performance anxiety and I don't want to speak in front of people. Yeah. I don't really know what I was going with there. I mean, when, if in a, in the, in a crisis situation, I could handle it. Like if she passes out, can I be the next in line? M. My, I'm not exactly planning for my wedding to be a crisis situation. I'm not saying it won't be, but I'm saying I'm not hoping for that, and I'm not planning for that. But you make a great case otherwise. Anyway. Wait, was that the reason you drink? No, that's okay. not it. I'm unemployed. Okay. I'm single as fuck. Same. And I don't have a job, or, well, I already said I'm employed, but it really counts twice, and also have nowhere to live. <laughs> it does count twice. I will fucking say it that. It does. I said it before, you're more than welcome to, like, stay with me. Allison no. is literally <laughs> staying in my house, and then Em's like, hey, you can stay in my place. I'm like, what? am I that terrible? What actually happened was that I said, hey, Em, do you have a couch? <laughs> and I said, yes, I have four. Yeah, so basically, I drink because everyone's trying to leave me and form friendships on their own. Yeah, that's true. Okay, tell us a story. Let's just get this on the road. I like that you carry that around in your pocket. Like, it's if you like, need to tell the story at any time, you're ready. <laughs> I'm like Steve from Blue's Clues, like my handy-dandy notebook. <clears throat> it's 
except it's a folded up piece of computer paper. My handy dandy folded piece of computer paper. <laughs> With size 8 font. Inkjet printed, might I add, both sides. Okay. This is the story of Roland Doe slash Robert Mannheim. Ooh. It's the same person, but two different aliases throughout time. Mine have aliases too today. <gasps> Yay. Wow. It's okay. a theme. That's our, that's our one theme. So this story is what inspired The Exorcist. <gasps> There's also a quote I wanted to start with from uh, one of the exorcists involved. Okay, so the quote was, The first time I prayed for a truly possessed person, I put the crucifix on that person's head and they slithered right out of the seat like a snake. Out of the what? Like a snake? Out of the seat. Oh. Just went, like a deflated inflatable tube man. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so like you, basically. Like me. I thought you said out of the sea. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Slithered right out of the sea. <laughs> it's like, mm. That's much eerier. So um, in 1949 is where the story takes place in Maryland. And it's a 13-year-old boy who goes by either Roland Doe or Robert Mannheim, depending on whichever story you're Googling, like I did. He was described as not very athletic. He was super studious, like quiet, would never cause trouble. And then after um, spending a summer with his aunt, uh, the aunt was a very spiritual lady, and she decided to teach him how to play with a Ouija board. Oh, no. So this is honestly my PSA to you about why we can't do that. I'm already mad. So after a few weeks of constantly toying around with the Ouija board, the aunt unexpectedly died. What? Shocker exactly what the hell um so she died from natural causes but she was also like in her 20s 20s yes yeah, so, like what what natural exactly is there a car accident what is the natural cause <laughs> in the here? 40s it could be like just falling over and just having an aneurysm or like just falling asleep yeah, like, out of nowhere cardiac and dying. arrest or something yeah so that was shifty and then the family started to notice all these, like, weird sounds coming from the house, and there was banging on the floor, and um, the sun was starting to act really weird, and there was also, like, frantic scratching all over, like, the walls and the doors. Like, Ugh. you could, like, hear it, like, go to different areas of the house. And so they thought, oh, it might be rats or something, so they called pest control, and they couldn't find anything. And, like, they tried to debunk it the best they could before um, exorcisms ever got involved. But uh, the noises got louder and more consistent, and the um, the boy, he, like, just started getting, like, wildly violent and really creepy, and sometimes he would go into these, like, several-hour stances of just, like, staring at people. And so it also got to a point where furniture was getting, like, thrown around by itself. So, oh. like, the chandelier would swing on its own. The furniture would, like, drag like someone was pulling it, but no one was there. And the boy, um, even though he was getting really violent, he was also getting all these marks and scratches all over himself that he couldn't have caused. Like, they were, like, in parts where, like, he couldn't reach. Uh. And they were showing up for no reason. And then one of the scratches ended up on his back, and it spelled out hello. <gasps> what? God. Are you serious? Yeah. That's kind of a polite greeting, <laughs> though. <laughs> it's like, for, for it a could dick. could be a lot it's worse. Like, Hi. It could be like Satan or 666, but it's yeah, like, it's, hello. hello. It's like, I'm here in case you didn't know. It's like, hold still. Let me finish the O. <laughs> hello. It's what me. What if it was Adele? <laughs> what if it said, it's what? me right after that? <laughs> what if the demon's name was Adele? And they were like, it's just me. I'm just trying to get my message. <laughs> so sad. <sighs> okay. 
So all the strange activity started to, as we can tell, began to focus on the boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started allegedly following him to school, too. Oh, God. Where his desk was seen sliding and slamming into other people's desks by itself. I feel like I would have heard about that in a newspaper or something. I feel like you don't just see that and then don't spread it around town. Well, maybe they thought it was like him doing it or something. Maybe. Because it doesn't sound plausible from an outside perspective. I agree. Poor kid. Oh. So uh, they, the parents tried to take him to shrinks and doctors and all this stuff to see if there's anything maybe cognitively wrong. And they never found out anything wrong medically. So they contacted the Catholic Church and asked, li- I'm not kidding, this is, this is the name, Reverend Schultz. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I know. Shut up. I know. I know. So they contacted me. Reverend Schultz uh, was the first one to go monitor the house and see if he could find anything. So he saw a couch move across the house by itself. Mm-mm. And uh, he watched the boy's bed shake as he slept and he heard growls coming from the room. Uh-uh. Um, the mom also reportedly saw the the boy's bed shaking whenever he slept. So, like, it was... This was like Reverend Schultz pops out and is like, "What the fuck's going on?" And the mom was like, "Yeah, this is this is normal." <laughs> She's like, "That's normal." <laughs> um, Poor kid. So, definitely thinking this is my ancestor because that was enough for him, and he got out of there. And he referred the family to a Roman Catholic church, oh. and where he introduced them to a priest named Father Hughes. So, Father uh. Hughes is the first, is the main exorcist. Got you of this story. So Father Hughes, he met the boy and noticed immediately that he had a really dark stare as if he was just like dead behind the eyes and he wasn't actually looking at you. And (laughs) that's Christine when she hasn't gotten enough sleep (laughs) or alcohol (laughs) or enough alcohol. Ha ha. The first one was like, ha ha. And the second one was like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Uh, He also brought a book with him and the boy didn't know where. He, in theory, the boy shouldn't have known where the Bible was on the priest, but he hid it in a weird spot. He hid like in his sock or something, and the just to, like because he knew because <laughs> sorry, I guess I'm sorry. I don't that's know. where I keep my Bible. <laughs> just like, well, what? the reason is because I guess at this point, like how often is anyone actually really possessed? So they did all these tricks to like make sure that he didn't <gasps> know. That's creepy. And so he was hiding. He was hiding the Bible in a different place. He held the holy water in a different place, and the kid. The second they met, he would just stare at the parts that he had hidden. Ew. The real stuff. So he's just staring at his foot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I hope he didn't hide the... That's not funny. I was going to say, I hope he didn't hide the holy water, like, down his pants. Um, <laughs> nope. That's not funny. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny as I laugh. Okay. Uh, delete. <laughs> so he saw the Bible in the sock, even mm-hmm. though he should have not seen that. And the... Father Hughes notices that he's acting really weird and he's like growling and looking at his ankle. And <laughs> it's pretty weird. Sorry, he was growling. <laughs> he was growling. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was growling too. Oh good. And so uh <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, like a rabid dog. And so Father Hughes it tries to ask him what's going on and all of a sudden his chair like father hughes chair starts shaking and levitates with him in it. Ugh. And then he gets thrown into the wall behind him. <gasps> Oh, no. So Whoa. Father Hughes stands up and in Latin says, what is your name? Oh, no. This is already creepy. I love that Father Hughes' reaction is to be like, go to Latin. <laughs> well, well, the final thing is to be like, no one knows Latin anymore. So, like, if you say something in Latin, but you'll the know. the devil knows Latin. Yeah. It's true. That's excellent, it's, like, muscle reflex, though. 
Yeah, to just like, like you've just boom, been Latin. thrown into a wall. <laughs> let me shout something in let Latin. Let me shoot out my fluent Latin. <laughs> well, because all the masses back then were in Latin, so they all knew Latin. Yeah. Like they spoke Latin. Priests. Oh, I see. What time yeah, was yeah. it? What year was it? What year this was, was in the 1940s, but so Latin is the oldest. In the 1970s is when they changed it to English. Because mm-hmm. it was in. Oh. My dad used to like go to mass in all Latin. So my dad like knows a lot of Latin and like had to study. I know a lot of Latin too. I took Latin in middle school. It was awful. I never took Latin. Okay, un espectora es un puella nomine Cornelia. Remember we had this? That's literally yes. Look, it means look. In the picture is a girl named Cornelia. Okay, is I back to the climax of the story? Do you think that's what the priest said? And is (laughs) it is I? It is I, Cornelia, in the picture. <laughs> I am imagine? a little girl. <laughs> if if the fucking priest was like un es pectoris un no, puella nomine Cornelia, and the devil's like, mm-hmm, that's Agricola. True. I learned that too. Uh, I am Cornelia. Uh, so he asks, "What is your name?" And then the boy in Latin said, "I am legions." Uh uh-uh. uh But the thing that freaked him out the most, the thing that freaked out Father Hughes the most, wasn't that he. Sp- spoke back in latin when he said i am legions that means there were multiple entities in his body at one time i think that's like from the old testament too they call oh, like, the devil's like horde the legions or some shit wonderful it's so creepy wonderful so uh he said that in latin yes Aye. it's i am legions that can't be that hard to say in latin it's true. He's like, in French, it's je suis legions. <laughs> Yo soy legions. <laughs> me, 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 legions. Sorry. Is that Tahili? Shut up. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Me, 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 legions. Me, me, me? Yeah. Me, 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 legions. Okay. I just thought I'd throw that No, out. by all me- Look, we all just did a... We Listen. said it in German. Ich bin legions. <laughs> <laughs> that was polyglot status we just fucking did that what's none of us are saying legions in any other we're just like throwing the word at the end of i am i can spell it in alphabet french i don't know what alphabet. oh oh god what if nope all right okay so him speaking in latin was kind of a good enough sign that father hughes thought he was possessed sure sure so hughes then said okay let's move him to georgetown university hospital ah that's where i went for the first time i got my crown's flare Oh, I remember. Oh, wow. Brandon carried me there. Good oh, times. Right. Anyway. It's a good time. Sorry. Connection. I never went to... Oh, I went to Georgetown University Hospital a lot when my mom wanted to get Botox. <laughs> That's the same. Well, That's the same. I used to go to Georgetown because um, I'm from the D.C. area. So, like... Oh, my, I know. Okay. <laughs> good. Glad to know. You're like Helga Pataki. You're like, don't worry. I'm. We've got it. I know everything. It's in my binder. Don't worry. But so every year, my me and Cole would have a sleepover trip to Georgetown because we would drive with my mom to keep her company in the car to Georgetown, and then she would get Botox, and then Cole she got and I, bo- she has Botox. Yeah. Oh, I've never. She's got a whole lot of it too. Hey, we hate Georgetown. Absolutely. So Father Hughes had the boy move to Georgetown University Hospital so the exorcism could be monitored by Jesuit brothers. At the hospital? At the hospital. They have, like, on-staff Jesuit brothers? It's a Catholic hospital, yeah. So, um, this boy was actually going to be Father Hughes' first exorcism that he would ever perform, which oh, scares great. me. Congratulations! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Mazel tov! But, like, in my That's mind... the wrong religion. <laughs> just trying to, you know, spread out the... Mm-hmm. My, my mind is that if my child is possessed, I don't want someone who's never done an exorcism before to get him out. I want, like, the fucking Pope. Um, okay, so when he was at the hospital, he got physically restrained in straps, and uh, he was super violent the entire time. Oh, my God. 
That's, oh, yeah. It's like, that's not that. You, you did that after you drank something. They and had I was to like, restrain him with straps? It of sounds, course they did. He's a little he's kid. Exercise. He, yeah, what do you think? It, it's the devil. Pretend it's the devil. It, it is the devil, what, isn't it? It's, it's actually, his name is Pazuzu. I'm sorry, what? What? The devil's name, I was supposed to tell it later. The devil's name is Pazuzu. Shut the fuck up. And to any of our listeners, nobody even bring up Pazuzu. No one talk about it because I'm going to do a story on it later and I don't want Christine finding out anything by accident. Uh oh. So. Pazuzu. Pazuzu gets his own fucking story later on. That sounds so fucking creepy. I'm losing my mind. I'm sorry. Pazuzu sounds like a children's cartoon character. Keep in mind, the more more we say it, the more he's like supposed to show up. So, like, maybe (gasps) let's just stop. What the fuck? (laughs) It's like when you look in the mirror and say Bloody Uh Mary. Bloody Bloody Mary. Mary? Yeah. That's it. Three times. Although I almost bought sage as a joke today, I should have just bought it. As a joke, please. You almost bought it to bless your apartment. I should have bought it. You should have bought it. Okay, so um. Anyway, so he's physically restrained. He's like shaking and rocking and spitting at the priests, and he's screaming at them, and he's saying like really aggressive, sexually vulgar things <gasps> to them. Like he's like doing what like if you've ever seen The Exorcist, like all the stuff that was used in the script is stuff that he was essentially saying of like oh. all the things he wanted the clergy to do or he wanted to do to the clergy like just ways to really humiliate and degrade everyone this sounds like me on my period (laughs) (laughs) let me degrade all of you i'm spitting i'm swearing i'm (laughs) degrading everyone around me as allison's former roommate i can confirm all of the above (laughs) and you were just like i'm sorry can i get you some chocolate he's so fucking nice (laughs) so um Father Hughes recited exorcism prayers for three consecutive nights, and things only kept getting worse. So, uh, again, he started doing those calm states where he would just stare at people, Ugh. and then he would go into, like, these, like, hissing, hissing, thrashing, like, sessions where he just spit at the priest and said horrible things, a.k.a. he's probably on his period, I guess. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> according to Allison. Um, Sorry, shouldn't have brought it there. Eventually, the... So this is this is the part that I expect you to gasp. So not to like I'm ready. Uh, we're ready. Okay, so eventually he got out of his restraints. He got a hand free and he reached under the bed and was strong enough to physically rip open the mattress and broke a spring out of the bed. And he stabbed the <laughs> he stabbed Father Hughes from the wrist all the way to the <gasps> elbow. Oh god. So oh he, my god. What? Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He Mm -mm. ripped. He. With a mattress spring? What? The gash went from the inside of Hughes' wrist all the way to the nook of the elbow when bent. Oh. Was he okay? So his whole. No, he actually. So this is where it gets extra fucked up. At least he's in a hospital, right? (laughs) Very very (laughs) good. Oh yeah, that's it. Silver lining. (laughs) Um, So he was forced to take time away to heal, which meant that no one was looking after the boy, so he returned home. No! What? I know. Who's going to be like, yes, let's take you home so you can relax. <laughs> All right, son. Stab <laughs> a bunch of other people with mattress springs. Oh, no. The family yet again went to the church and this time found Father Bodern. And uh, he was a senior priest from the St. Louis Diocese. Okay. Father Bodern decided to approach the situation with caution. Did um, he? <laughs> Why? I can't imagine the reason. Why ever would he do <laughs> but that? But he was just sensitive, I guess. Oh, sure. Um, so they moved the boy again, this time to the Alexian Brothers Hotel. A hotel? By hotel, I mean hospital. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, what hotel? is like, yes, bring your children to the 
going to need the exorcisms here. Can you That's imagine, our thing. Can you imagine like Catholic priests carrying in like a possessed child being like, we'll take a, a queen size bed. And oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the honeymoon suite. Thank you. So it the, has to have a balcony. <laughs> if I don't have a view, I'm out of here. So the hospital was run by an ancient order of Catholic monks. Sure it was. That's the exact kind of hotel slash hospital I, I want. Monks had, I mean, I didn't know Catholicism. I, had me either. Monks. Me either until I did this. I thought that was Buddhist. <laughs> maybe they're just bringing all the religions together. Oh, no, maybe maybe everyone's just like holding hands Catholic across monks. America because they're just so scared. They're like, everyone, get your, get your Jews, get your Catholics, holding everyone. Holding hands across America. That's the dream, <laughs> isn't it? That sounds like a charity. It's a religious utopia. So, um, if you donate money to Patreon, you can donate to cha- <laughs> Hands Across America, our new charity. You're gonna have to Google that later. Make sure it's not oh, actually a thing. It probably is a real thing. <laughs> They're sponsoring us now. <laughs> so, um, again, he was restrained to a bed, but the room they put him in this time was the same that a mental patient at the time would be assigned to. Fab. So that makes sense, though. Sure. Windows didn't open. The door could not open from the inside. AKA, if you are give- smart. Until you're the one performing an exorcism and you can't get oh, out no. until someone lets you out. Oh, oh no, that's my nightmare. So, um, almost that's from the start, the boy me. began forcefully mm-hmm. spitting at the priest, foaming at the mouth, reciting Latin, demanding they leave. Basically doing all the same shit as last time, but this time he's also pretending that there is no demon inside of him. So every now and then he would go into these, like, Uh-oh. pretending he was the scared boy being like, Mommy, like, help me. So people would get close to him so he could then literally throw them across the room with one hand. At what point are you like, no, sweetie, <laughs> I don't trust you here. anymore. During his stay, the numbers range between 20 to 40 people witnessing over 30 exorcisms on the boy. Okay. It was a six week exorcism, <gasps> day and night, nonstop, this trying to get this thing kid. out. Is that from when he's in this hotel or the whole time? It, the whole time. The first one was a week and then this one's, I think, five weeks. Um, one of the priests recorded in his diary. He took like crazy detailed notes about it. Um, and said that the blows from the boy fighting them off were so strong that it was like, there's no way that was the strength of an ordinary kid. And he was able to like throw men across the room. And at one point he even um, like shattered one of the priest's nose. Oh, like just went bam. Okay. So um, the scratches and welts were getting worse and spelling out different things, including the words hell and evil. And Maybe hello meant to be hell, but then they just got <laughs> Maybe it was Adele again. <laughs> One of the Legion like fucked up and accidentally added an O. Yeah, it just it was a typo. It was supposed to be a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> it was an emoji. Um, so at this time, uh, uh, at this time, they discovered the main demon's name was Pazuzu, and then I even wrote future stories are going to be told about this. So listeners, don't say anything and ruin it for Christine. If you really like her gasps, don't let. But don't let the story out. Shut the fuck up. So they decided um, that the best option was to baptize the boy so that he was closest in spiritual power to the Catholic Church. They haven't done that yet? I, I know. Okay. So when they attempted to force the boy to eat a communion wafer, uh, <laughs> it was the... Sorry. That sounds like my first communion. <laughs> eat it! I'm like, it doesn't Shove taste it in your mouth. mouth. <laughs> Shove it in your mouth. Um, oh no. It was, uh, <laughs> it was said that that was the most violent he ever got. And that's when he, uh, shattered the priest's nose. Oh, finally, the boy ended up accepting the communion wafer and it only made the demons worse. So basically nothing worked, but then out of nowhere, days later in the middle of one of his like horrible violence, like bouts, um, for the first time he spoke in his normal voice. Cause by the way, the entire time this voice is also crazy deep and like not his. Sure. 
So this was the first time his voice was that of the little boy again. And it said, Satan, Satan, I am St. Michael. And I command you, Satan, and all other evil spirits to leave the body now. Wait, <gasps> who said that? The little boy. The little boy said it as on behalf of St. Michael. Oh, Who's St. Michael? Give me some background. God. I'm not religious. In Catholic belief, St. Michael is the chief archangel in heaven. And he's the angel who God gave the power over Satan. And he's also the angel who threw Lucifer from heaven and exiled him. So he's like he's, in charge. He's mm-hmm. like... He's like the king of the crop angel. They brought him down. They were like, excuse me, sir. (laughs) I know you're busy. Michael, can you do a a favor real quick? He's like, Mike. He's like, I I have a moment in six weeks. Like, I'll be there. (laughs) Pencil me in for six weeks from now. So that's literally the end of the story. That like. That gave me goosebumps. He shouted. Michael came in. St. Michael showed up. Apparently he said, he said, Satan, Satan. He said, Satan, Satan. Satan, Satan. No, he said he's like he shouted uh, Satan's name and then said, I am I am St. Michael and I command you, Satan and all other evil spirits, leave the body now. And after that, nothing ever bad, just went away. They all went away. Can you imagine a little kid yelling like I command Satan and all the other demons? Especially if you- that is the least hard thing to him. Like, <laughs> that's like the <laughs> nicest part of this whole story. He's like, can you imagine a little child shattering a priest's nose and spitting at him and like and stabbing a rod through his arm? So anyway, speaking in Latin is more impressive than that is true in English. Yeah, I get it. The Latin saying anything in Latin is more impressive. That last part wasn't in Latin. This part was English and in his own voice. So everyone heard that impressive. I'm not impressed. See, (laughs) I'm deeply impressed. Uh, So after that, uh, he claims he has no recollection recollection of the events, uh, which is also common in possession victims and the events that unfolded are mostly known from the detailed diaries kept by the priests and information from Reverend Schultz's gossiping. How am I not related to this guy? And you are probably a thousand percent related. I am absolutely Reverend Schultz. I wouldn't be surprised. So it was the inspiration for the exorcist after an author, after the author read a Washington post article called priest freeze, a boy reportedly held in devil's grip. You can and then, come up with a better title than that. I would. Mm. And many have said that this possession, like the skeptics, when they're like, oh, well, let's analyze him. And even though at the time the doctor said, oh, there's nothing wrong with him mentally, current skeptics say that the possession was more likely um, involving something like multiple personality disorder or schizophrenia or Tourette's syndrome. So when I was 12... I went to Johns Hopkins and I was diagnosed with Tourette's. So what I'm thinking is maybe I've just been possessed this whole time. I, maybe, <laughs> you turn it that, around. That explains a lot. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually not Tourette's at all, Mom. It's just the devil. So Pazuzu. Uh, what? No, Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Anyway, the end. Lesson learned. Now we all know when this happens. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to tell you guys the story of George Joseph Smith. Um, and I was going to tell you the story of Sylvia Likens, who was murdered in Indiana back in the good old days, which is still considered Indiana's most horribly gruesome murder. Tell us that. Toward one individual. Tell us that. I want our listeners to weigh in on whether it's too much for me to tell the story, because I was reading it and I was like, it, I, it might be too much. So I paused my notes and went to a different story. So if you guys know about this, which I guess the people in, in I know we have listeners in Indiana, and if you guys think it's an okay story to cover, let me know. Is it better or worse than La Lori Mansion? It's not better or worse. It's just focused on one 16-year-old girl. So it's just very gotcha. fucking upsetting and very twisted and dark. So it's a fascinating story, and it's like a fascinating look at 
people's psychology, but it's also highly upsetting. It's not good. No, it's not I good. I listen to LaLaurie and feel like it can't get worse than that. That's my bad. It's, I, no, it was, that was the worst. That was the fucking worst. Yep. True. It was, I was like near tears. I was driving and was it, like ugh, crying. No, it was, that was. just like couldn't come back from it. So that, thanks guys. That shook me. You're welcome. Hashtag brain stirring. <laughs> <sighs> no, that's not a hashtag that needs to exist. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that level, but on one person. Got it. Okay. If oh, I can say no. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably a good, good let's, choice. Let's not do if it. If that clarifies anything. I understand. Very violent, horrible, awful to a 16 year old girl. I okay. Okay. Anyway. Fair. On we go. On we go. So I, instead, I'm going to tell you about George Joseph Smith, who was born in London in 1872. The good old days. I like this year much better. It's farther away. I, it, right? The farther <laughs> away, the more, the easier it is to talk about. So this guy's skill, George, his skill was manipulating women. Um, from a Daily Mail article, I read large numbers. Apparently, this is why this was such a thing. Large numbers of young men were emigrating from England to the colonies. And so they'd left British number or British females outnumbering men by by more than half a million. So there were 500,000 more women in England at this point than there were men. Great. So basically, this guy had a field day. Um, and the, the newspapers, uh, because, you know, we're in 1910, the newspapers were full of stories about women who could not find husbands. So sad that you're in the newspaper because you can't find a husband. Well, you really don't have a chance. No. Do they list them by name? <laughs> they had a list. Yeah. Is there like a Dear Abby section? Sad. <laughs> So what this guy George did is he would prowl seafronts and parks in search for in search of lonely and vulnerable females and he would mesmerize them. This is from a Daily Mail article with his deep set gray eyes. And this is a quote from a woman who or who had encountered him during those years. She said, when he looked at you, you had the feeling that you were being magnetized. They were little eyes that seemed to rob you of your will. Ew, what the fuck? I'm so, like, a guy with beady eyes is staring at you at a park, and you're like... Beady eyes in general are things I don't... I wouldn't even spend enough time to look into to get mesmerized. Spend enough time on Tinder, and that's how it's to sound appealing. <laughs> <laughs> All I want is some beady-ass eyes, and then... Beady eyes freak me out. I just think of brats. Well, nobody likes beady eyes. Nobody said beady until you said beady. Yeah. Said, she said... That's... What, gray, mesmerized... Also, gray eyes, No! Though. This is the quote. Oh, they were little eyes. Little eyes. Um, but apparently that's what he got the women with. So he had baby little beady creepy eyes. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Um, so as a young man, he was in prison for a year for persuading a woman to steal from her employers and using the proceeds to open a bakery. Oh, that's a good idea. No way that happened to me. <laughs> were you the one uh, opening the bakery? Shh, I'm 150 years old. I see. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss. In 1898, he married Caroline Beatrice Thornhill under the alias Oliver George Love. Remember, I said he had a bunch of aliases. Right, right, right. And the following year, he married another woman. Typical. He and Caroline moved to London, so the first one, where she worked as a maid and stole from her employers because he asked her to. Mm -hmm. She was caught and sentenced to 12 months of prison. That's it? And went, well, she, yeah, she was just just stealing. She's just stealing shit. But when she was released, she turned her husband in because apparently she couldn't do that until she got out after a whole year. And he was in prison for two years. And when he was released, she fled to Canada. So he went to his other wife because he had two. 
Right. You always have a backup. Sure. Cleared out her savings and then peaced out. In June of 1908, he married a widow named Florence Wilson, but he left her the following month um, on July 3rd, but not before taking 30 pounds from her savings account, which equates to about 3,000 pounds today. Okay. And selling all her belongings. Uh, later that month, he married a woman named Edith Peglar after she responded to his advertisement seeking a housekeeper. Is this wife number four now? Yes. Yeah, Good. So we're on four. We're on number four. Track. During their marriage, he would disappear for months at a time, claiming that he was traveling for business, which he said was selling antiques. Um, and in between other marriages, he'd come back to her with money. So this whole time, he's just like out marrying people. How Sounds like my grandpa. Money? <laughs> different thoughts there <laughs> i'm like let me know what it's worth here no my my grandpa had a second life with a second wife and a second kid well a third kid that sounds like a poem a second life with a second wife sounds like dr seuss <laughs> my grandfather was actually dr seuss, the other dr. seuss. So, <laughs> he was dr seuss at night he was mr seuss he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't really get that far. <laughs> oh so sad um Ba-ba-da. In October 1909, he married a woman named Sarah Freeman, but he changed his name to George Rose Smith. He mm-hmm. left her after clearing out her savings and selling her war bonds and making 40, 400 pounds. Then he married Bessie Monday and Alice Burnham. Uh, and then a few years later, he married Alice Reed. That's the next bullet. Total, you guys. <laughs> he had seven bigamous marriages seven between 1908 and 1914. Did he not divorce any of them? No. None Did of he them. kill any of them? Everyone slow down. Okay. <laughs> Did right. he divorce them? No. Okay, that's the answer. That's answer number one. So in, okay, basically in six years, he had seven marriages, essentially. In January of 2015, that's not right. Why did I write 2015? 1915, Yesterday. Maybe. Hello. In, ja- in January of not 2015, apparently I meant 1915, Detective Inspector Arthur Neal, who was part of Scotland Yard... Which, did you guys ever play that board game? No, what are you talking about? Okay. My brother's raising his hand. We played that board game. Um, my dad is also a weirdo, so that's probably why. Okay. If anyone out there knows what that is, please tell me, because I feel like I've never met anyone who knows what that is. The board game is called Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. Okay. I will be Googling that tonight. Great. It's really fun. Okay. Uh, so he worked for Scotland Yard, and he received a letter from a man named Joseph Crossley, who was the landlord of a boarding house in Blackpool, Lancashire? I think that's right because it's in a Beatles song. He was okay. Smith's landlord. So he was this beady-eyed dude's landlord. Another fucking beady No, same guy. Oh, okay. Same beady eyes. I'm saying that's how I'm... Because <laughs> he had so many aliases that I don't know what to call him. So Smith is like... Let's call him beady-eyed. That, I did. beady Let's just keep it going. Okay. Beady-eyes. Beady-eyed Smith. He was his <laughs> landlord. The letter included two pieces of paper. The first one was a coroner's report about a woman named Alice Smith who had died suddenly in a boarding house in a seaside resort in her bathtub. And she was found by her husband, George Smith. Uh, She had saved some money, so he got that when she died. And he had also taken out a life insurance policy on her worth 500 pounds, which today is worth about 44,000 pounds. And then the second paper that he included in the letter was a newspaper clipping from a newspaper called News of the World about the death of a woman named Margaret Elizabeth Lloyd, who was 38 and had died in her home in London and found in her bathtub by her husband Uh and their landlady. He had changed his name, but the landlord and his wife noticed the similarity between this story and the last story and sent the police these two articles. 
um, and wanted them to investigate further. So the detective went to the home on Bismarck Road where Margaret Elizabeth Lloyd had died in her bathtub. Um, so he, so the detective inspected the bathtub uh, where Margaret Elizabeth Lloyd had died and found it hard to believe that an adult could have drowned in such a small bathtub. Um, it was only three quarters full when she was found. And um, he interviewed the coroner, who said there had been no signs of violence when he inspected her body, aside from a tiny bruise above her left elbow. Okay. So further inspection revealed that... Was it, like, maybe a mattress spring that got jammed in there at some point? <laughs> she was performing an exorcism right, right, right. on a young man. <laughs> her name was Cornelia, and she lived in a photograph. <laughs> anyway, uh, further inspection revealed that a will had been made three hours before she... I'm sorry. Yes. Three hours? Three days. I think I meant to write days. Maybe it was in 2015. I don't know what year it was. <laughs> I don't know what time is. Uh, a will had been made three days before Margaret Lloyd had died, and the sole beneficiary was her husband. Surprise. She'd also withdrawn all her savings on the day that she had died. About a month later, the coroner called the detective Neil. Um, he said the insurance company had called and inquired as to her death because she happened to have taken a life insurance policy out right before her death. And John, John Lloyd was the sole beneficiary. So the insurance company called the coroner and was like, can we like look into this? And the detective decided to... Um, okay, it turns out the late Mrs. Smith had also taken out a life insurance policy and made a will right before her death. Um, and apparently, according to records, she was only able to move into her new lodgings once her husband had inspected the bathtub. So that was one of the reports. So the, the detective is like, something's going on here. So he told the coroner to tell the insurance company that something fishy was going on and to reject the insurance claim because he knew that Smith would go to his lawyer once he didn't get the money. So then they went and set up surveillance around the lawyer's office because they were like, he's going to show up there. Because they didn't have telephones or anything. So right. like, he's going to show up at this lawyer's office okay. and then we can corner him. Makes sense. Right. So they were like, don't give him the... Tell the insurance company not to give him the money and then we'll like stake out the lawyer's office. A nice little heist. Exactly. Sounds like a movie, dude. It's like Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Just like that. But Ocean's Seven Wives. I don't know. I don't... Oh, beady-eyed... Beady-eyed oceans. <laughs> the beady-eyed heist. <laughs> oceans 1106, because that's what fucking time it is. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> um, ba -ba 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 -da. So they set up surveillance at the lawyer's offices, hoping to catch him. Um, lo and behold, he appeared on February 1st. Neil, like, jumped in and introduced himself and asked him whether he was John Lloyd. He said, yes, I'm John Lloyd. And so Neil asked him whether he was also George Smith. He's like, no, I'm not George Smith. And so he said, well, we're going to take you in for questioning um, on suspicion of bigamy. So he finally was like, yes, I am George What's Smith. the difference between bigamy and polygamy? Bigamy, I'm Do you know? pretty sure, is when the other people don't know that you're marrying okay. your wives. Cool. My grandpa was a bigamist. Yes. I learned something. I think today. polygamy is part of a again later. religious process. <laughs> I think it's more like a Right, polygamy everyone's aware and accepting and consenting. Uh, right. I believe that would be it. I'm not positive. Bigamy is the dishonest version. Bigamy is when you're just like collecting them. Okay. Without their knowledge. So am I like a bigamist of Back to the Future collectibles? Sure. I was just thinking, where is this going? 
Okay. Where's so am I, uh, Oh, you're, oh a big, you're a bigamist of wine, I would say. All my wines know how I okay, feel so about all of them. Oh, so you're definitely a polygamist Absolutely. with the wine. Right, you're, just, you're equally fair to all of the boxes. Oh, yes. I would never cheat on any of them. So they told him he was going to be taken in for questioning on suspicion of bigamy, and he finally admitted that he was also George Smith. So then he was arrested. Because they were like, well, you're the same name for both of these deaths. Um, so enter pathologist Bernard Spilsbury, who was asked to determine how the Pillsbury is that where we're going? It sounds like you (laughs) fucked up making Pillsbury. I wrote down Spilsbury and then I wrote, I wrote it for a minute and then I deleted it. It said M Pillsbury. Are you just going to start making predictions in your notes of the shit I'm going to say? I should because I knew I was waiting for you to say it. I should start doing that with my notes where I make a prediction of how many glasses of wine you've gotten to by the time I say that bullet. Mm. You don't know because she starts before you get here. Oh, that's a good point. Good point. Good point. You saved her there. So Bernard was asked to determine how the women died. Um, they exhumed Margaret Lloyd's body. She had already been buried. Um, and after examining her, he found that the evidence of drowning was not very extensive. Um, there were no signs of heart disease. Uh, the death seemed like it had been almost instantaneous, as if she had died of a sudden stroke. Uh, they tested for poison, found nothing. Um, so it was really unclear as to how she had died. Um, so then they decided to run some experience in the experiments in the bathtub in which he had died. The specific mm. bathtub. Firm pass. This sounds like a medical examiner being like, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This sounds like an episode of Bones where you watch and go, that would never happen in real life. It yeah. does. It sounds like medical examiners got drunk during the weekend and are just playing with like a kid's science kit. Yep. Basically. They're like, let's give it a whirl. So newspaper. So they set up the bathtub in the police station. They literally brought it and set it up. You just like uncocked it from the wall and just carried a mm-hmm. big fucking porcelain bath in? Yes. Okay. Newspapers started calling this the deaths the brides in the baths. So they <laughs> started calling it the bride in the ba- brides in the baths murders, and that will be uh, the title of one of your engagement pictures, I'm sure. Ew! <laughs> oh, bride oh, in the baths. Yeah, we'll get a picture of you sitting in a bath of wine, and we'll just call it hashtag I Love Lamp Bride in the Bath. That's I'll me. I'll be pouring her bottle of wine uh-huh. into the glass. It, no, it'll be a bathtub. It's like recycling the wine, so it's just. Ew! I don't want to bathe in my oh, wine. Dear. Well, you're not gonna like gulp it. You also, you'll sip it. Yeah. You'll just with a little dainty straw. Lap at it <laughs> like a dog. Okay. Anyway, brides in the bath. Um, and when a police officer of Hearn Bay, which is a small seaside resort in Kent, saw the reports and contacted Neil about another death in his area, uh, they found that it was strikingly similar to the other two. So there was a third victim. Um, it turns out a man named Henry Williams had rented a house with no bath in 80 High Street for himself and his wife, Bessie Monday. A few weeks later, he visited an ironmonger, because that was a thing, and asked the price of a cast iron bath, which he was told would cost two pounds. Two days later, he sent his wife, Bessie, to shop with instructions to haggle for a two-shilling discount on the bathtub, but she was unaware that she was purchasing the bathtub that she would die in. Oh. That's so sad. That's my that you'll purchase the bathtub that you'll die in sometimes i wonder specifically sometimes i go to goodwill and i'm like is this my murder weapon you're like i'm buying a spatula will i die from it yep i think that all the time i listen to this podcast too much this one (laughs) this one oh sorry (laughs) i'm like which one (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah 
Um, so he took his... Then, next step, he took his wife to the local doctor, saying she had epileptic fits, even though she had only complained of headaches. Um, and then he woke the doctor up a few weeks later, saying that she had had another epileptic fit. Uh, he checked on her, said she seemed fine, and that she'd, he would come back in the morning to check on her again. But when he came, the husband said, oh, well, no, I found her dead in the bathtub. Oh, casual. So the doctor went up, found her in the tub, still un- in the bathtub. Her head was underwater. Her legs were stretched out straight, and her feet were stick- protruding out from the water. There was no sign of violence or a struggle, so the doctor determined that she had drowned due to epilepsy because mm-hmm. she had visited him several times right. for epilepsy, according to her husband. Um, her husband was awarded the equivalent of 230,000 pounds in today's money, as stipulated by the will that she had made a couple days before her death. So, despite uh, his newfound money, uh, he spent barely anything on the funeral. He chose the cheapest coffin available and buried her in a common grave. He even ret- what a bastard. He even returned the bath to the ironmonger and got a full refund. What a cheapo! I know. That's awful. He made his wife haggle for her own, the bathtub she would die in, and then returned it for a full refund after he buried her in a common grave. So, uh, obviously, he had disposed of the murder weapon, um, so it seemed he'd gotten away with a perfect crime, but he had overlooked one thing. Apparently, Bessie was holding a bar of soap in her right hand when she died, and the doctor had noted that her fingers were clamped tightly around it. Um, And since he had said that she had died of an epileptic fit, it seems unlikely that she would have been, like, tightly grasping something when she died. So, all three deaths had the following similarities. A lack of violence... Seemingly instantaneous death, little evidence of drowning, and no traces of poison. Um, So they shipped that bathtub to London as well. Expensive. Yes. Um, And all through... Yes. So that guy, Bernard Spilsbury, Pillsbury, uh, the pathologist, spent weeks pondering over the bathtubs, uh, trying to figure out the cause of death. So he went with the epileptic theory, and he said the first stage consists of a stiffening and extension of the entire body, but she was five foot seven, and the bathtub was only five feet. So if that had happened, she would have pushed her head out of the water. Right, right, right. And wouldn't have drowned. Right. Um, Makes sense. Uh, so her head would have been far above the level of the water. The second stage consists of violent spasms of the limbs, um, which were drawn up to the body and then flung outward. So no one of her size would have been able to get underwater even when the muscles were relaxed. And in the third stage, the tub was simply too small. So there was no way he said that that was the cause of death. Um, So the way that they, the final determination of how she died was that Smith would have seized her by the feet, suddenly pulled them up toward himself, sliding the upper part of her body underwater, and the sudden flood of water into her nose and throat oh my. would cause shock and sudden loss of consciousness. Nope. And she would have gone unconscious and then drowned while unconscious. Nah. And wouldn't have been able to fight back. I'm never taking a bath again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yowza! So to prove this theory, Neil hired several experienced female divers of the same size and build as the victims. Uh, he tried to push them underwater by force, but there would always be signs of a struggle because your body just innately struggles if you're being drowned, obviously. Uh-huh. Then, because we're back in the good old days, Neil decided to unexpectedly pull the feet of one of the divers. Her head glided underwater before she knew what happened. 
Suddenly, she was no longer moving. They pulled her out of the tub. It took him and a doctor over half an hour to revive her because she had gone unconscious. And when she came to, she related that the only thing she remembered was the rush of water before she lost consciousness. I'm sorry. I assume these divers were wearing, like, oxygen masks or snorkel masks or something. No? They were just... What the fuck were divers back then? So did I. How far could you really dive if you had... Nothing to help you. Well, they were doing it as like an experiment to see how your body would react. Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hire you to pretend to kill you? This is... (laughs) No, who says yes to that? To be honest, that's probably a stunt actor in Hollywood now. Well, true. But the thing is, like, this is the 1800s. Nowadays, if someone drowned you by accident, you could see the shit out of them. Like, I thought you were going to say, this is the 1800s. It was hard for women to find work. (laughs) Well, also that, but I'm sure they weren't paid for this shit. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. Well, no. Well, right. But I would also not do that shit for anything if they were going to fucking drown me in a bathtub. But yeah, so basically he's like, let's see what happens if I yank on her legs. And then they she went unconscious. They were like, oh, shit. And he had to revive her. It's not even like they called paramedics. But so she was able to be like, this is exactly what happened on my end. So they figured out. Yeah. So she goes, I went. So she's the she's the unsung hero of the story. Oh, yeah. So well, far. no, she's the reason that they cracked the case because she was, well, not really cracked the case. They knew it was him. But she's the reason that they came up with this confirmed. theory. Yeah, confirmed his theory. But there's still lingering questions as to how, what actually happened because it's not, it's still a theory. It's not, like, completely sure. But that is, it's it's also one of those things of, like, how did he do that so swiftly with three people that he was able to just, like, happen to pull them so that they drowned before they could fight? Like, it's just bizarre. I don't know. I mean, the more you practice, the better you get at it. He probably had a touch. Yeah, but, it, I mean, all three of them were just instantaneously killed. You take a bath tonight and see what happens when I yank your legs up. I'm going to kick you right in the nose. No, I would never. <laughs> I love you too much. As if. Um, but, but, but. Okay, so apparently... Modern science gives us some credibility. The rushing of water down the throat apparently puts pressure on the vagus, which is one of the main nerves in the neck, which causes a rapid slowing down of the heart rate and an instant faint. So you immediately pass out. No. But most people suffering from vagal inhibition don't die and they recover really quickly. So it was just strange that, like, they all happened to drown before anything happened. (sighs) One of the most intriguing theories is that Smith hypnotized his victims before drowning them by pulling on their feet. With his, what, beady gray eyes? Mm-hmm. Well. That'll do it. Uh, like a pocket watch. There was a man who actually did persuade more than 100 women to marry him by means of hypnosis and then robbed them of Teach their me. life savings. This is what you need to do. Well, you just need to read George DeMarie's best-selling novel, Trilby. Published. Hopefully they have it. On iBooks. Published in 1894. Probably not. Um, basically, it's a man who just... Taught you how to manipulate women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. So, the point is that a lot of people... If you do suffer from that, like, quick rushing right. of your... Vegas? Nerves in the neck. Um, you usually recover really quickly. So, it was kind of confusing as to how that happened. Um, some people said that he, you know, he hypnotized his wives before he drowned them so that they wouldn't fight back. But there are some problems with the theory. Um, hypnotists say it is not possible to persuade a subject to do something that will harm them. Um, and Bessie Money's grip on the soap seems 
seems inconsistent with the idea that she had been relaxed into a trance because she was just clawing at it so hard. In February 1915, George Joseph Smith was arrested and formally charged with the murders of Bessie Williams, Alice Smith, and Margaret Lloyd. Um, the trial was extremely sensationalized. It was one of the biggest, um, you know, most sensationalized cases of the uh, 20th century. Uh, people were so fascinated with the crime. There was even, a, he was even featured in Madame Tussaud's Chamber of Horrors for <gasps> a long time. Uh, in August 1915, Smith was hanged at Maidstone Prison. Uh, he protested his innocence to the end, and he took with him the secret of how he actually killed the three women because it was never actually proved. There were several theories, um, and no one actually knows how he managed to render them completely unconscious and Fuck. drowning without signs of drowning. Right? Like, they literally studied them, and they were like, they didn't like technically Classically drown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was also no sign of violence. There were no. Oh my god! It was really weird. There was no poison, nothing. So they don't know what he did. And he did it three times in a row without any, like, flaws or anything. He didn't do this to other women he had married. Um, yes. So, uh, this is the saddest thing. I was reading this Daily Mail article, and it was like, he died taking with him the secret of how he killed three innocent women who were desperate for love, but were met instead with cruel and untimely deaths. Mm. So that's the end of that story. He's dead. And so were they. Well, yes. Did he have any last words that you know of? Um, so I did read an article called, it's from the St. Albans Review. It's like St. Albans Sanatorium. Oh, but this is in England. Wasn't that in the U.S. or was that also in England? St. Albans was in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is probably the same St. Albans. I sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same. I'm saint. thinking Albans is St. Everywhere you go. Probably. Hmm. Um, so on the morning of his execution, apparently he was. Um, a wreck which does surprise me because I feel, I mean I guess he's about to die so maybe that's why but I'm sure it wasn't of guilt uh, so he was led quickly and shakily to the scaffold and positioned onto the trap door where the hood was placed over his head which horrifying fucking creeps me out um, he probably deserves it I know just the thought of the like a hood with a rope it's ugh as Hangman Ellis placed the noose around his neck. They know who the Hangman was? Isn't yeah. Isn't it supposed to be, like, yeah, a secret? Supposed to, it's supposed to be confidential who kills you. Really? You're supposed to, like, like so you don't have to... I don't know. I guess you're going to die. Imagine if you had... Uh, wait, who are you in the scenario? Imagine if you were the Hangman, and the person you hanged had, like, fans... Mm. And they were like, oh, someone named Ellis hanged him. I'm going to go find him yeah, and but like, think, kill members of his family. That's a good point. But think about probably crazy, too. But think about the judge or the jury or the lawyers. Like, you know, all those people who actually sent that's him That's true. I think it's more for the exe- maybe for the executioner's guilt later to be like, they knew who I was. I feel like to be an executioner, you can't really have guilt, You'd though. have to have two hangmans at the same time, like, pulling something. And then they would be like, we didn't know who it was. That's how firing squads work, right? Yeah, oh, they would yeah. all shoot at the same time. Exactly. Because right? you didn't know whose bullet killed him. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but anyway, this guy's name is Ellis. At least they didn't give his last name. I don't know. Or maybe that is his last name. Uh, apparently, Smith cried out loudly, I'm innocent. A moment later, a cruel... <laughs> this is a quote. I'm not making this up. This is from the article. A moment later, a cruel, calculating man who had deceived for gain and murdered three innocents with his bare hands was dispatched. That's the end dispatched. Of the so dramatic. But his I last, want to be a journalist. But his last words were, I'm innocent. You could come up with something better. Yeah, that's super original, even for back then. I would hope you would come up with something more fucking like original. Like French fries, a classic. 
or here's no he said here's this for a headline french fries yeah yeah you can't beat that though no that's once good. french fries happens you're like well might as well shout i'm innocent <laughs> it's like my wedding hashtag it's like i don't have a cool fucking name sorry why are you pointing at me we came up with some more hashtags for christine's wedding this is the best one does, um, it, does it beat i love lamp tell me i don't remember it hashtag Blazantine Empire. That's what it was. Shut the fuck up. Like, That's so good. Get it? Yes. Oh my god. That's so good. And then there was um this one. Yeah, you did it right. Blazantine. That's how I wrote it. Yeah. Sell the blaze. <gasps> That's, That's the me. one. That's the one. Sell the blaze. That's the one. That's but what was one. it? Was it just sell the blaze? We we couldn't decide what to add to that. Oh, okay. We no, said, we were like sell the blaze, but you can follow it up with something to do with Christina. My brother said absolutely do not do that. Well, no, because originally he had the idea of uh, like set the world ablaze or some shit yes. like that set the night ablaze set the night ablaze there are just so many puns of blazes and then and so hard to work a new with. phase for christine and blaze that was the other one. Oh right oh no that was that, that was, was almost mine helped. because my mine was it ain't no phase no christine that was and mine and you said that was too depressing so then i deleted it it's oh no it was christine and blaze it's not a it's not just a phase or some shit like that and you were we like did go over that a couple that's times. depressing so thanks for listening to our episode <laughs> Remember, Thanks, guys, kind of. Remember how you used to like us? Well, remember when Christine used to like us? Sorry I ruined that for everyone. Anyway. Anyway, good luck, Christine. You guys are awesome. We love you so much. A lot of cool shit is happening. We've mailed your merch. Yes. It's on the way for all you Patreon donators. Your shirts are coming. They're on the way. Yes. And then um, our listeners episode just came out. And uh, the next one is August 1st. <gasps> Holy crap. I know. Every time we say the next listener episode, it seems like I know. so far away. I know. And we, by the time this comes out, we will have hit 200,000 downloads. Okay. What? I feel like you're pushing it. No, I'm not. We're at, we're at 160 right now. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'll download it 40,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll Everybody be a- download it 10 times and then... I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> So happy two hundred thousand in advance! Wow, 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 wow! That's wild. Yeah, holy shit! It's always crazy. Four, four, four. Listen, <laughs> that was my AAM username in middle school, and M <laughs> likes to bring it up. Let's not talk about it. It's you're always crazy. Four, four, four. It was I'm always crazy. Four, four, four. Always with a Z. All right, <laughs> let's move on. I had a freakishly similar username. No, you didn't. Was it, I'm always wild. Four, four, four. No. <laughs> crazy girl we would have been best friends god so your away messages would have totally been like petty comments were, about each other they were probably exactly the same as christine i'm they sure were fallout boy lyrics uh, yes that's exactly this right is how we know we're meant to be friends we're the same human <laughs> no i'm just hanging out with them i love everybody who listens to this podcast i love everybody who is at this table, thank you. Is at this table. I love everyone who lives on the Earth. And Oh, that makes me feel What about the astronauts? Special. They're not on fucking Earth. Maybe. So? Where's their permanent address? Is it on the moon? I don't think so. Did you know that all <laughs> the American flags that are currently on the moon are completely whited out from the radiation of the sun? Shut the fuck up. So really, it's like, who put that flag there? It's white. Someone's forfeiting. Someone's surrendering. The, the moon. moon is surrendering. Oh, the no. The moon is like, I give up. Help. Someone's giving away our... <laughs> Someone's giving away our moon. Wait, what? Are you serious? Yeah. 
That's fucking awful. And apparently the first gay flag has been put on the moon. Shut th- Wait, are you oh, serious? Oh, but if it's white, that's so depressing. Oh, they re- it's that's gonna turn- extra fucked up. That's fucked up. Wait, are you serious? I'm pretty darn Who sure. Who put that there? I don't know. Are you sure you didn't just read that on Twitter? I probably I for actually, sure would have seen that in real life if that were actually news. I feel like I saw an astronaut thing. didn't something put something about Pride Month. Look it up. The moon is gay. <laughs> it's a secret the moon's been keeping for years. For it's eras, time. for epochs, might I say. <laughs> it's finally time is for the true? moon to come out and show its true colors. Tell me it's true. <laughs> No, well, uh, come on. Yeah. No, it's not true. Okay, um, but what if I went to space and brought f- six different colored aerosol spray cans and used one of the white? You flags? could do that, or <laughs> or you could just bring a rainbow flag. You don't really need to spray That's paint not as fun. a flag. But, but can you imagine spray painting in space? It, everything would be in slow motion. It would just imagine, like hit you in the face. Imagine tagging like graffiti tagging, but in the outer space. It would just hashtag the gaze. Right? What? Is that not what you've been saying? I mean, the gay is trademarked, but... Oh, trademarked. If you sorry. hashtag the gays in space... Space gays. Hashtag space gays. We'll figure it out. Space gays is good. <laughs> They're yes. up there. I think I found a wedding theme. We all know it. Space yeah. gays. Also, uh, apparently, BBC says that in last year, uh, there was a gay pride flag that was on a mission into... Like, it was, like, on a... Like, it's on its way to the moon. No, it was not on a way. It, it was on a, in space. It was on a balloon. All right. What kind of balloon? One of the like ones that go into space. One? A high altitude balloon. Okay. That's... To spread peace. It was Is launched it aliens from <laughs> Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But, I was gonna ask where it's from, but it's not Russia. The rainbow gay flag on the moon was made up. So God damn it. Sorry, Em. One day. Soon enough. That's my. That's this my. This is why you're in calling. training to be an astronaut. That's yes. exactly it. That's why you're an astrophysicist. Ah. Let's just say, and that's why we drink. Ready? Can I join? Yeah. You ready? I'm to ruin it for everyone. And, and that's, that's why, why we, we drink. drink. Oh, that was probably better than any other ones we've ever done. Yes, that's true. You're welcome. All right, guys. If you want to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, do it. If you want to email us, and that's why we drink at gmail.com. Do it. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.